0: Had an opportunity to um, do some outreach work with a bunch of teenagers um, a number of years ago, and and we were just talking to different people and, and kind of trying to form relationships so we could share our faith and and you know maybe see if God would open up some doors for more of that. And and as we did it, there was this um, older couple um, who were retired and came in to this coffee shop that we were spending time in and started talking to us and. You know, we had ended up buying coffee for them. We really felt like, um, like the Lord led us to just buy a bunch of coffee for people. And so they came in, and they were, like, trying to understand, why did you buy coffee for us? And I was with these radical teenagers, and they're like, you know, oh, because God told us to. And, you know, and uh, and so I remember just telling one of them, because the, the gentleman was so overwhelmed with the idea that someone would buy them coffee. He just couldn't figure out why a group of teenagers would do that. And so I just said, "Hey, you know, we're just trying to demonstrate the love of God in a very practical way." And he said, "So you guys go to a church or something?" And so these kids are like, "Yeah, we go to the vineyard." And they started giving them these invite cards. And so the next day was church service, and um, and so uh, you know, there was a lot of people around, and sometimes like you might miss people. But I remember I was sitting in this little in the little foyer area, and I saw this couple, and I. I said, "Hey, how you doing?" and they came and sat down and they had just attended the first service. And they started sharing about their life and he was sharing with me, you know, he was like I think 70 something years old and you know he had tattoos all up and down his arms and big plug earrings and and a nose ring and looked like he had at one time been a part of a punk rock band and and that's what it was. He had been in a punk rock rock band and had also got involved in selling drugs and at one time got arrested and ended up in prison for like 25 years and then had gotten released and was kind of like doing his thing and living his life. And, and so he had lived a pretty hard life, and he just started sharing with me um, you know, about how it was so amazing that he would encounter somebody who would just welcome him and love him despite the outward appearance. and he, And he started through tears sharing with me about how he just needed that He just needed to be in a place where someone would welcome him. So as I was listening to him, you know, I just kind of asked him, you know, so what's God doing in your life right now? And through tears in his eyes, he said, I just feel like I've never been loved like right now. And I remember in that moment being like, oh my gosh, this is what we're about. This is what we're about. And so, you know, that, that couple, you know, shared their whole life story, they had Grown up in the Midwest, had been in church for a, a lot of years as children, but then had you know, gotten away from it and then got involved in some you know, really um, damaging things in their life and he ends up in prison for a long time. And so when they got out, he kind of didn't think there would be any space for him in a local church community. But in that vineyard church, he was welcomed, he was loved, he was, he was discipled, he was encouraged and, and, they, and they had this thriving relationship with God develop in that moment. But I'll never forget, you know, hearing that man who on the outside looked like he'd been very hardened, had gone through a lot of challenging things, just seeing how the grace of God had softened him, completely softened him to a point where he he wanted to live the rest of his life for Jesus. And a couple of years years ago, that man passed away. And uh, I often think about them because I remember when I went to that conference, um, it was in Florida. And I don't like Florida in the summer because it's so humid. And I was like, oh, man, it's so humid. We were walking around all over, you know, going to these coffee shops and, and doing all this ministry stuff. But I got to tell you, I would gladly go to Florida in the summer if it meant people will come to Jesus. It means people will go, go to Jesus or come to Jesus, and I think it's worth it. And I've been thinking about that for just us as a church, you know, like what is it that we're about? And we've been talking about this subject for the last couple of weeks we've been talking about a blueprint for our our church community charting a course for the future because i have to tell you i'm convinced that since december god has been at work in our community in some very specific ways having to do with new people coming to faith in jesus and that's a good thing amen that is confirmation as to what we are about and so for the last five years, five weeks, we've been talking about what the church is. We've been talking about how the church is a community of the kingdom of God. We've been talking about how the church is the people of God. It's not the building. We've been talking about how the church is a family as well. And then we started leaning into the topic of what the church does last week. And what I suggested, based off of Second Corinthians five, is that the church is called to be ambassadors of love ambassadors of love. And so today, we're going to look at five practical ways that we can invite people into the love of God. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 4, and we're going to read a short passage of scripture, and we're going to think about some practical ways to live this out. And the reason why I love this passage of scripture, if you've been here for the last five years, you know we've looked at it before, but I love this passage because Paul can go into super deep, systematic theological reflection He looks like Romans, but he also is always very practical. And in this letter, it is very, very practical. So I want to read from Colossians chapter four, verses two through six. It'll be on the screen here for you, but listen to what Paul says. He says these words. He says, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. That is why I am here in chains, pray that I will proclaim this message as clearly as I should. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Let's pray. Father, we do ask for your spirit to speak to us now and to help us to to wrestle with the teachings of Scripture and not just to know these things cognitively, but also to apply them into our lives so that in every way, shape, and form, we live these out for the glory of Jesus and the well-being of people. We pray this in your name. Amen. So I want to talk about um, five practical ways to invite people into the love of God, because I think that's what Paul is essentially doing here. And and I've been really wrestling with how this is really what we should do as a community. When we think about what we are about and who we are and what kind of practices we should be engaged in. I, I wanted to say that for the last five and a half, six years, we've constantly had this reminder. And I think both because the spirit keeps leading us towards this, but also because of what God is doing in our community, that we constantly come back to the question of why do we exist? Because if we ever lose sight of why we exist, we lose sight of what we're supposed to do. And why we exist is for the mission of God. Like John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, used to always say, I am change in God's pocket. He can spend me however I want. And I like that. We want to be about, about God's kingdom. And so in Colossians 4, 2 through 6, Paul gives us five very practical ways to be ambassadors of God's love. I mean, he, he's really helping us to think about how we can invite the world around us, the people that we engage with, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, our peers in school, how we can engage with those people and invite them into the love of God because he himself had been so transformed by the love of God in the same way that many others in this room have been so deeply shaped and formed by God's love. So the five practical things that Jesus uh, is is inviting us into by the words of Paul are this. I think the first one is obvious, we need to pray. Paul says, pray. In fact, Paul mentions this three different times in this short passage. Pray, devote yourself to prayer. In fact, prayer is all over the letters that he writes. We're supposed to pray for people. We're supposed to pray for opportunities. I mean, we are invited to pray, And yet I have found that many of us who follow Jesus, really, it's overwhelming to think about praying. We don't even know what prayer is sometimes. And I think about that in my own life, about how I am not a great prayer person. In fact, years ago, like when I first started going into ministry full-time, I went on staff at this ministry that was like focused on prayer, 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 that's what we did. In fact, we would spend like eight hours on certain days just Interceding, And I remember my first day, like I officially had transitioned from having a job outside of the church to working for this ministry. And I was like, oh, man, I got a new Bible. Okay. I bought all the highlighter pens to put in that Bible. And I bought a bunch of books about Jesus. And I was like super ready. And I went to my office where I was going to spend the next eight hours in prayer. And I put all of it down. I had a notebook. Anybody ever use a journal to list all your prayer requests? You're all going to hell. I'm just kidding. <laughs> how many of you? How many of you use your phones then to make notes of all your prayer requests? Okay, some of you do now, right? And I had this this little journal, and I had been like writing things down, and I was like, Oh man, that's, that's eight hours in prayer. And I started praying and and just like you know, I mean, crying out to God, praying and asking for God to to move inside of of all these different things that I was involved in, churches I was involved in, ministries I was involved in, the lives of people, and I just was going over it. And I mean, I prayed for every single thing I could think of. And then I would start to think of new things and keep praying. And, and when I got done, I was like, oh my gosh, that has to have been six hours. And it was like seven minutes. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do for the rest of this time? And I think in that season of life, I really had this approach to prayer where it was like a task in a list, and I had to just like check things off. But what I have found about prayer is that prayer is an invitation to an intimate relationship with God. That's really all it is. Like what is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. And so when we think about praying more, I think it's like, what would it look like if our lives... We're, we're wrapped up in the idea of just regularly communicating with God, which is two things, speaking to God, and then also taking the time to listen to what God might want to speak to us. And so I love how Paul calls us to be devoted to prayer, to be devoted to prayer. And I, I think what that looks like for us as a church is to be praying for our church community, praying for, for the people that are part of our church community, praying for our church's leadership team, praying for our neighbors, praying for the people that we're going to come in contact with every single day. What would it look like if each one of us started our day off by asking God to open up doors with people that we come in contact with? So first thing that Paul does, a practical thing is pray. Starts to encourage us to pray. The second thing is he says we need to live wisely. Make the best use of your time. Live wisely. How you live your life Matters deeply. It matters deeply because people are watching. People are watching. I think about this is a really practical example of this. So baptism is something that we're going to be doing on Easter. Easter Sunday, we're having baptisms here. And and people have been signing up and asking me questions about baptism. and, And this is interesting. So because a lot of people want to know, like, what is baptism? or why do we do it? But let me tell you one practical reason why I think if you haven't been baptized, you should get baptized. So beyond just the fact that Jesus commands it and invites us to do it, beyond just that, every time you get baptized, or when people get baptized, I should say, it's an opportunity to share our faith a little bit, right? Because people want to know, like, why are you getting baptized? Well, let me tell you why you've been baptized. Has anybody in the room been baptized? Just out of curiosity? Okay. Let me remind you. When you were baptized, you were publicly identifying yourself with the life, Death and resurrection of Jesus. So when someone says, "Well, why did you get baptized?" you say, "Because I follow Jesus, and I wanted to publicly declare that I identify myself with Him." It's my public way of saying that. And so I think that's just one example of how when we do things in a public way, living our our lives out, we actually are able to be a testimony to the world around us. So we need to live wisely in today's world. Amen. I mean, we live in a crazy world. that has gone mad. We see it all the time on the news. And what is needed right now for all the complex questions that are being asked in our world is we need to have an answer, and that answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus, and it needs to be lived out. By the way, I might want to add that your wisdom and how you live should be engaged with on social media. Can I give an amen? We need to think about that. We need to get to the point where we filter every aspect of our lives through the lens of Jesus. When I was growing up, I just remember when I was in youth group, I showed up at youth group and I was like 16 years old and everybody was wearing these blue bracelets that said WWJD. And I was like, what's that about? Anybody ever have one of those? What would Jesus do is not a bad question, is it? As cheesy as those bracelets were and how it became pop culture, what would Jesus do is an appropriate question for every single aspect of our lives. Amen? It's an appropriate question. So Paul says we need to pray. That's a, a, a way to invite people into the kingdom is to pray for them. He also says that we need to live wisely because people around us are watching the way we live. And then Paul also says we need to shoot our shot. I played sports my whole entire life. I played ice hockey and I played basketball. And when you were open, your coach would always tell you you need to shoot your shot. Now people talk about that if you meet somebody, you need to shoot your shot. You need to ask them out. Okay? But either way, when you have an opportunity in basketball or in hockey, you needed to shoot it. You needed to take that opportunity. And I think the same thing is true about, about our faith because what Paul is saying, he's saying make the most out of every opportunity. What if we actually believed? Think about this. What if we actually believed that people are truly one invitation away from encountering God? What if they are one invitation away? What if all you have to do is invite them to coffee or invite them to a Bible study or invite them to a church service or invite them to something and that one invitation is the stepping stone to them encountering Jesus? What if that's true? If that's true, it changes the way we live our lives, doesn't it? Like that's what I learned from these teenagers because they were so... Over the top with their invitations to this this retired couple, but that retired couple shows up, encounters Jesus, and the rest of their life is transformed forever. And that's the power of the gospel. That's the power of Jesus's kingdom in our lives. Is that when we interface with Jesus, when we interface with God, we do not leave the same. At least we're not supposed to. And so I, I just have been thinking a lot about about this idea of making the most out of every opportunity because what I think that does is it trusts that God is at work. So we have Easter coming up in a couple weeks. And I remember, um, you know, all my life seeing that as an opportunity for people to come who haven't ever been a part of it. But I remember for a while, like, being a little nervous about inviting people. I mean, can we just be honest? How many of you, it's, like, a little scary to think about inviting someone to church or sharing your faith? Anybody willing to acknowledge that that's true? Or all of you super evangelists? Like, I used to always joke around about how I am, like, the least evangelical person. And the proof of that is when I go on an airplane, I swear to you, I pray to God that no one will sit next next to me. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, my gosh, please don't sit next to me. Please. Right? But, But on a serious level, we are afraid of it. But I think part of that fear is because we don't realize that God is at work around us. So our first Easter here at the Vineyard in Red Bluff, um, I invited a couple people I, I ran into in, in the city, and I invited this one guy. And, you know, he just started sharing his life with me uh, in a local establishment. And I was like, man, you're, in my mind, I was like, your life is a train wreck. Would you like to come to church? It's, uh, the first part, not out loud, second part, invitation. And he showed up. And so I remember, like, you know, we just had our normal church service, and we got done. And afterward, he was like, hey, I'd, I'd like to talk to you. And so the next week we met, and he was like, like, I made a decision to follow Jesus at uh, Easter. I really, like, hey, tell me about that. He said, yeah, man, when you launched into that, like, 20-minute part of your talk about drug addictions and how drugs was ruining my life and that Jesus wanted to free me from all the drug addiction and the alcoholism that had taken control of my life, he's like, I heard that, and I decided to make a decision to follow Jesus. I was like, That's awesome. However, in my mind, I thought, I did not say any of those things. Like, I literally, it was Easter. I was talking about rabbits and Easter eggs. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and and I, at the time, I was like, what is this guy talking about? But here's what I've learned. And this is what I think is so amazing. On Sunday mornings or in any other particular kingdom space, did you know that God is so big and so grand He can simultaneously be doing 10 million things at the same time. And so what we're maybe focusing on in our moment, there's somebody in this room right now that God is speaking to them and and awakening their hearts to something. And God is speaking to them in in a way that maybe we don't even realize. And so we have to lean back into this, this thing, shoot your shot, is we need to be shooting our shots because our shots are part of the ways that the Holy Spirit works in people's lives, and we're sprinkling seeds, aren't we? We're sprinkling seeds, and sometimes those seeds get planted, and the Holy Spirit waters them, and we see people make decisions to follow Jesus. And so I, I just, I'll never forget that person sharing that, because I just thought it was a perfect example of how sometimes God's doing things in here or in other spaces that we're unaware no. of. The fourth thing that I think Paul uh, would say here is that we need to have conversations, you know. I think what I've been really trying to say the past six weeks is as a church, we need to understand what business we're in. We're in the people business. We are in the people business. That's why we exist. We do not exist so we can have this really great building with these really cool things that are happening in our building just for the sake of having cool things happen in our building. We exist so that people can know Jesus. We exist so that we can each grow in our knowledge of who Jesus is and our experience of who Jesus is, but we're never called to hold that all for ourselves. We're supposed to turn around and give it away. Amen. So we're in the people business, and so we need to understand that it takes conversations um, to help people come to a place of faith. and And I think sometimes we're really super afraid of the questions and the doubts, but we need to realize that the pathway and the journey through questions and doubts is oftentimes the way that people come to know who Jesus is. That's how they they discover God's God love, is by wrestling through those things. And and so I I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think we need to do more listening than talking oftentimes when it comes to a relational approach to, to Jesus and to faith. I had this interesting discovery um, a number of years ago as I was reading the gospels. So in reading the gospels, I see something happening all the time to Jesus. Jesus is constantly on his way to go somewhere and Jesus keeps getting interrupted all the time. Jesus gets interrupted when he's heading over to, to meet at someone's house. He gets interrupted when he's making his way to Galilee. As we, Talked about a couple a couple months ago, you know, the Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus was trying to do a shortcut, right, to get to Galilee. And then he has this encounter with this woman who interrupts his, his moment. Jesus is always interrupted. And guess what? That's how it works with people. Amen? People are going to interrupt you. Quick story. And then we'll wrap up here. This week, I just want to let you know one thing I hate is I hate having meetings for the sake of meetings. I hate them. can't stand it. I can't, like, I just, anytime there's something I feel like it's going to be a waste of my time, I, I, like, get, like, oh, man, I'm having this meeting. It's going to be a waste of my time. And so I had to schedule some maintenance on our building, and I had to be here for it. And I was like, oh, this is the work work of the devil, you know. (laughs) And so this person came, and they were doing some, and I just was like, man, I got to get out of here. I got some things to do. I got plans, things to do, things to check off of my list. And at the end of it, this person walked up to me and just opens up and shares their whole entire life story with me. And the whole time they were sharing, I was thinking how bad of a Christian I was. Because I was like, man, I wasn't even interested in this. And this is why we're here. So we all need to be reminded that the, the whole point of following Jesus, and if it's really about people, is that it's okay to have our lives interrupted. You should be at a place where people know they can call you to ask you for prayer or for something because that means they have an appropriate understanding of your commitment to the kingdom, amen? And so we need to be at a place where we understand that conversations are part and parcel to it. It means sometimes we're gonna be interrupted by those, those people too. Finally, number five, Paul says, point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus. In fact, he says, I want to have opportunities to talk about this mysterious plan concerning Christ, about this mysterious plan concerning Christ. And this is what Jesus is, is I think, encouraging us to realize is that he's eager to have relationships with people in our city. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is eager to have relationships with people in our city? Because if you believe that, you need to also understand that the way that Jesus ministers his grace, the way that Jesus gives his hope and his love to the world around us is through you. That's how he does it. He does it through you as a conduit for the grace, mercy, love, truth of his kingdom. And so Paul says, hey, I want you to pray that we would have opportunities to explain the mysterious plan concerning Jesus. What he means by that, this language of mysterious plan, is that concept of the mysterious plan of Christ is is fleshed out in Ephesians chapter two and three where Paul says this, the mysterious plan of Christ is that God has a plan to bring people who are outside of the Jewish religion, religious ethnic group, and bring them into the people of God. And so God's plan is to have a family, just like we said two weeks ago. A family of people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every, every group uh, out there. That's his goal. Let's stand up together. So this morning, I was praying a little bit about, about what was the question that God wanted us to wrestle with for a few moments. Like, if, if we could really boil it down, what is it that God wants to do this morning? What is it that he wants to invite us into? What is it that, that God is, is calling us to? What is it that God is, is nudging us toward? What does God want to bring conviction? Some of us need to be convicted today. What, are, what is it that, that God's doing? And I just I felt like the Lord had this one question for us. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes right now because I think this question is something that is not for us to hear without really wrestling with the Lord. But I I had this, this question in my heart that I felt like the Lord said, what are you willing to sacrifice in order for people to encounter Jesus? What are you willing to sacrifice in order to encounter in order for people to encounter Jesus, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to do? What are you willing to give? What are you willing to to connect with? What are you willing to to point your life toward? If you knew that those sacrifices would help lead people to Jesus, I just want you to sit with that question right now for a moment, with your eyes closed. And six years ago my family had um, had you know really discerned that that God was calling us to move to California and part of the reason why we were so convinced about that is because every time we thought about Red Blood we just had an overwhelming sense of God's love for us and it was so hard because we we had this community of friends that we had been pastoring with for 12 years in Wisconsin. And and yet every time I thought about Red Bluff, I just had this overwhelming sense of love. Like, I just was like, oh, my gosh, God loves that city. And we want to be a part of what God is doing. And then as we began to, to talk to people that were a part of this church community, it became really clear that for, you know, 20-something years, God had been so faithful to this church, so this church community had been, you know, due to um, a lot of people but you know, specifically Steve and Maxine Garda just being committed to this city. And I want to tell you right now, remember I had been here for about two years, and I had gone to speak at some church in another city, and I was driving home from Sacramento. And as I was coming near Red Bluff, I just was excited about being back in red Love, like, oh, man, I'm so glad to be back home. And, you know, the last two years have been pretty challenging for a lot of us. But I want to tell you that Jesus has not stopped loving our city. Amen? He has not stopped loving our city. And our church has not stopped having a mission to make Jesus known in our city. So you want to know what you are? You are loved by God. You have been given grace. You have been given mercy. You have been invited to extend that grace, that mercy, and that love to the world around you. You have, been, you have been called and empowered by the Holy Spirit to do such things. And so I ask you again, what are you willing to sacrifice in order for people to encounter Jesus? So for some of you, it needs to be time. You need to prioritize the things of the kingdom. For some of you, it's energy. You know, there's A lot of people in our community are not involved in serving, and there's opportunities to serve. For some of you, it's finances, because there's no ministry that we do in our church community or in our community in general without the faithful giving of our church. I mean, I don't know. There's just a lot of things. But the question, again, is what are we willing to sacrifice? What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to take on and say yes to if we knew that it would lead to people coming to know Jesus? And so, Father, we do once again stand here. As people who have been called by you, Lord, there's people in this room that that are all over the spectrum of how long they've been following you. It might be people here right now who have yet to make a decision to follow you. And yet, I can't help but think that Jesus' invitation to all of us is the same. Come and follow. And so would you help us as a community, as individuals who are part of your church? Would you help us to begin to see our lives as change in your pocket? And you can spend us however you want. So Jesus, I pray right now by your spirit that inside of of people in this room, you would would water seeds that were planted years ago. Lord, specific callings and giftings that you put inside of people in this room that have been dormant for a while, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would water those things, those seeds with your spirit. Lord, we ask that you would move us to be people of prayer. Move us to be people who take opportunities and who share our faith and who are willing to engage in the work of your kingdom, who see that that we are here for people, that we have been invited to be rescuers of women and men. And then those people who have been rescued, rescue others, God. Have your way in each one of our lives. Lord, I pray for, Lord, anybody in this room right now that has these specific needs, whether it's physical healing or anything else, God. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would meet those needs right now. That your presence, which is in this room, would just rest on us, and that grace would be experienced. We pray this in the mighty, and powerful, and incredible, wondrous name of Jesus. Folks, we'll see you next Sunday. If you have kids in the kids' room, we want to encourage you to make your way to check them out. And we'll talk to you next Sunday at 10 a.m. God bless you.